Sometime around third grade, children in the United States learn about meteorology, more specifically, the different clouds in the sky. I'm really familiar with this as my very curious younger son will still to this day point out different clouds by size and shape and name. That is, of course, when he's not looking down at his phone. As adults, most of us have forgotten this lesson we learned back then, the color, the shape, the height. We just take in all the beauty of it. Today, we most often hear this word used in relation to software and digital storage. I think it's so interesting that in this fast-paced world we're living in, more than ever, we may hear the word cloud computing, or someone may say, don't worry, it's saved in the cloud. But do we really understand what that means? Surprisingly to most people, there are multiple cloud service providers and companies. How do we know which is the best for us? Hey, Max. Hey, Erica. So, Max, cloud computing has been a long time buzzword in tech. A long time. Yeah, we love those buzzwords. I know you do. <laughs> Although the foundation of the idea of cloud computing began in the 1960s, believe it or not. That sounds like a really long time ago. I know. You were just a young lad. Just a young lad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it has been debated who coined the term. It's thought that at a 2006 conference, Google's Eric Schmidt introduced the term in common use. That sounds a little more practical than the 1960s to me. It was used to describe a new way people will have increasing access software to storage, manage, and process data rather than a local server or personal computer desktop. The most appealing factor of the cloud computing process was the convenience, delivering flexibility, always on, boosting speed and performance. But Max, how do you pick the best cloud for you? Well, I think cloud services for consumers are really an extension of what they use every day. If you use Gmail, for example, which I use every day, yeah. uh, you can use Google Drive. And that's a good example of a cloud service that's included to help you store all your files and anything else that you have going through Gmail, where uh, Google One is a different type of cloud service because it's more a subscription-based service that you can also store things like, like photos, it can sync from your phone and videos and stuff like that. Of course, <laughs> you and all your iPhone user friends uh, yeah. are more familiar with iCloud for storage. Yes. Again, the idea is to use the service that's most convenient for the operating system and the applications that you use every day and have cloud really just be an extension of it. Yeah, but what are the factors to consider? Well, you have to think about what do you mainly need to store in a virtual cloud that you can't store locally on your device, whether that's a phone or a laptop, for example. Uh, the answer is very different for consumers than it is for big business, for example. I still don't understand how is it different. Well, consumers store mainly photos and videos in some form of cloud storage, which is why it makes more sense for them to use that cloud environment that's part of their operating system. Even if you're working on a laptop using Windows, uh, you can easily store using Windows's cloud version called OneDrive, which is included as part of the Office 365 subscription most people use. Um, what? <laughs> Office 365? Well, I'm sure you remember when we were using Microsoft Office, it was typically an installed piece of software. Yeah. Microsoft has now 
transformed its entire office offering, all the PowerPoint, Excel, Microsoft Word, into a cloud-based subscription model so that it's all, and it's now called Office 365. Oh, okay. You can access everything from any machine using the cloud. Wow. Businesses, on the other hand, use clouds for more than just storing files that might be attached to your emails. They actually use cloud services uh, for things like virtual computing, running applications like websites and apps, security software to protect their data, and even evaluating that data, uh, analytics from various systems that are part of their everyday business. They use things like AI analysis and dashboards to report on any changes in performance in their business. It's kind of like building a supercomputer for your business, only in a virtual world. That sounds pretty crazy. The virtual thing is always a little confusing. How can they build such a complex machine that doesn't actually exist? Well, it does exist. <laughs> you can have cloud-based services, but it starts with a physical server farm in the form of massive multiple server farms located all over the US and the world. What wow. makes cloud computing different is that you can utilize as much or as little of its functionality as you need for each specific task. It's like a shared resource you can essentially rent per megabyte. Well, it sounds really interesting, but can you give me an example so I could really understand this virtual farm? Well, think of something physical. Wait, it's not virtual. The farm is real, right? The, the farm is real. If you want to think of it from a physical perspective, what if you wanted to build, for example, a world, uh, world-class race car? Uh, you'd have to buy all the components. You'd have to employ the best in the business to put it all together and, yeah. and make it you know, a, a top world-ranked race car. Um, with cloud computing, you could essentially add horsepower or change tires while your business is racing down the track at 200 miles an hour. So no more pit stops required. Mm -hmm. And that's really the difference between virtual and physical in this case. That's the benefit of running a business function on the cloud versus on a local server. So this leads me to a big question, which I'm sure many people have as well. Why do I feel like I'm constantly getting notified that my cloud is full? Is it just another way for the providers to collect more fees? Well, it is. <laughs> you know, you see how many times I'm like, oh, it says on my cloud is full. What, yeah. what is happening? It's it's great. It's always full because it's always syncing with what you've you've added pictures or videos or obviously we have a family cloud, so it could come from anyone. Can it just be an unlimited cloud? Like, why does the cloud have to be limited? Well, you are storing your files somewhere. So that's the whole concept of the cloud. And yes, they do want to collect fees from you. They don't want you to go back. And no, by the way, nobody wants to go back and start deleting no. pictures and videos. You're like, no, nah, no, I'll keep that I need one it. for another I need it time. for a good birthday post. Yeah, and, and, and that's really the problem. And ultimately, the cloud providers benefit from that because they could sell you more storage so they can charge you a higher monthly fee or annual fee whatever program you're buying. Do the devices you're mostly using as a company or in the private sector help determine which cloud you would choose? Well, ultimately, you decide as the buyer which cloud you want to use. Most cloud services for consumers and businesses allow enough flexibility for you to use whatever cloud you prefer. So even like we said before, I know you love iCloud, but you could 
essentially uh, download Google's One Cloud and use that to store your photos as well. It's just not as seamless and as convenient as what you're used to with iCloud, for example. Of course, each operating system like Apple iOS, Google's Android, as well as Windows comes with a cloud solution that's included before you have to pay for the subscription fees for additional storage or functionality. Are the clouds that are usually included a limited data amount? Yeah, it's it's like a hook. They just want to get you in there yeah. and get you to use it and then send you those alerts you love so much that say, hey, you're running low on cloud. <laughs> but for $9.95, today only, you can buy some more storage. So we've talked about how they hook people in the private sector. But how is it different in business? How do businesses get hooked and stick with one cloud? Well, companies choose cloud providers based on more than just what kind of syncs up with their phones. Uh, They look for things like stability, functionality, usability, and how likely that cloud provider is to continue to support the features that they use in the future. So kind of like the roadmap for cloud providers. For example, a company that specializes in something like online advertising might choose a cloud provider that has a rich set of data analytics tools and AI functions that really (laughs) help that business. While a company that uses IoT sensors, for example, will choose a cloud provider that has easy drop-down menus to help them deploy those devices out in the field. So the top cloud providers for businesses today, I know, include Amazon's AWS. That's right. Then Microsoft's Azure. Yes. And then the Google Cloud. That's right. In fact, in that order, they're number one, two, and three. That makes me think of another cloud we actually haven't mentioned, which is Tencent. Tencent's a major player in the gaming industry, supporting services and applications aimed primarily for video, gaming, and online education websites. I think that's more well-known in Asia. It's geared to Asian service providers, so that's probably why most of us have never heard of it in the U.S. So like you're saying, it fits their need for their cloud-based data. Yeah. So once you choose the cloud, how difficult is it to change clouds? (laughs) (laughs) That's an important question. You really need to research it before you sign up for any cloud service. Most consumer cloud service can be transferred to other providers. But for business, it's important to read the fine print as well as online reviews. You may be able to move the data, but not the functionality when we talk about cloud computing and AI and all that additional elements of what businesses use uh, the cloud for, it may also cost you a steep amount to move once you've made that choice. It's kind of like changing your phone from Apple to Android. Or from Android to Apple. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Actually, a cool fact, as of the start of 2021, 67% of enterprise infrastructure was cloud-based. And by 2023, public cloud spend is predicted to reach $500 billion. That's honestly amazing, but not at all surprising since of all the transfer into the cloud that happened over the pandemic. Yeah. According to Gartner, the worldwide public cloud service market grew 41% in just 2020. That's unbelievable. When you store data in a cloud, is it there forever? Isn't there like always some kind of digital footprint 
Can't you retrieve it at any time? So when you store data in the cloud, it does stay there for as long as you have that cloud, unless the cloud was attacked by some kind of virus, for example, yeah. that you know corrupts the data. And then it's like, oh no, my pictures, my pictures, <laughs> they're all gone. Um, if you stop paying your cloud subscription fee, this is a common misconception. You usually can't add anything additional to that cloud, but the data is still accessible to right, view. They're not going to like destroy your pictures because you didn't pay the fee. No, they're not going to take that kind but of But how will you have access? You know, like it's like how, unless so you, you pay, it's like ransom. It's like, I want my pictures. It's kind of like on your iPhone, you can still access the pictures in the iCloud when your iCloud is full, uh, but you can't add anything. So it's the same kind of thing when you don't pay your subscription fee, they'll just stop letting you upload additional things. They'll still give you access to the data. They may not let you do things like download the data on a new device oh, okay. because you haven't paid your bill, but the data is still there. So the good news is uh, it does live there. Well, good news or bad news, it lives there forever right. as long as that cloud is there. Well, this is, is the there. bad news for every young person in this world right now. Yes. That it will live there forever. See, yes. this is what we try to explain to our children, that it doesn't matter if something is deleted, it is always traceable by the the digital footprint. Once it's online, it's there forever. So what about data security? Is this a factor to consider in the cloud? Security is always a factor to consider in the cloud or anywhere else for that matter. <laughs> for consumers, yes. the good news is when it comes to cloud, the people managing security at cloud providers are usually highly trained cybersecurity specialists that collaborate with organizations like Homeland Security to keep our network safe. So your pictures of your family birthday parties are in pretty good hands. So kind of like special agents that control the cloud. <laughs> yes, special agents that protect the cloud. So you know I love to ask these questions. Who regulates the cloud providers? There's two primary organizations that regulate. One is a U.S. government-based uh, it's called the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST. They're kind of the, the Bible from a government perspective. And the other one is a non-governmental international organization uh, called International Organization for Standardization, or <laughs> ISO is what okay. they stand for. And it gives, it gives us both a consumer side or a non-governmental side, but it also gives us that cybersecurity standards of security coming from a government entity that regulates both for the public cloud, what we would use on iCloud and stuff like that, as well as for the U.S. government's own internal private cloud. So the standards are really, really good. Of course, any consumer service is also monitored or is, has an oversight of the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission. Do clouds of different service providers integrate? Yeah, so some <laughs> clouds actually, and this is this is getting deep. Some clouds actually use other cloud providers oh as the backbone for the service. A great example of that is VMware okay. or the VMware cloud. It actually uses AWS or Amazon Web Services. By the way, that's what that stands for. If you were ever wondering, AWS AWS uh, uses that as their backbone for VMware. Most cloud providers do try to make integration into other clouds uh, part of their standards, 
And they do that by using what's called an API or an application programming interface. API. So basically to put it in English, Max, an <laughs> API is an electronic or digital command from one system to another. Exactly. So can you give me an example of how an API actually works with a real world example? Sure. If you're in front of a computer or your phone, look up something that you want to shop for. For example, for clothing. Okay. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Go to any website, pick an item like pants or a top that, that you want. To... <laughs> I'll pick out a top, Max. Wait, should I get dungarees? <laughs> okay. Stop. <laughs> No. Okay. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> Your example. Go to any website and pick out. <laughs> pick out your long johns. <laughs> pick out your galoshes. <laughs> I'm just getting started. I just mean everything in your closet. <laughs> Ah, oh, that was funny. Now select the color and the size. And the next refresh of that site will tell you if it's in stock. The way that happened is an API command went to the warehousing facility of that seller and actually found that that size or that color is available in real time. That's what an API wow. does. And that's how we see it day in and day out, even though we don't know it's there. Is this something that is limited at any point on any type of site or in a cloud, the APIs? Or is there an unlimited amount at all times? Well, not everyone has an API for everything, but the concept is automation. So where are there no APIs? When you place an order and they tell you, hey, we'll get back to you in two <laughs> to three days to let you know if it's in stock. Does that happen? They don't have an API. Yeah, sure. I don't think that's a very good website to visit. <laughs> well, that's the problem. If you don't have an API, if you don't have the automation, consumers go elsewhere. Yeah. Okay, that brings us to game time. Game time. In honor of this episode about the cloud, I am going to give you movie lines from scenes that took place on an airplane flying our friendly skies. Oh, I like this already. And you just have to name the movie. All right, I love it. Okay, ready? Ready. Do you know who I am? I'm the president of the United States. Get off my plane. Air Force One. Love yes. that movie. President James Marshall. Yeah. Played by Harrison Ford. Yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> I know that. That's a good one. All right. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I'm serious and don't call me Shirley. The all classic airplane. <laughs> These words you truly never want to hear when flying on a plane. This is your captain. Brace for impact. Uh, that's Sully. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, such a good movie. That was an Make awesome movie. I love that movie. <laughs> okay. You feel that steam coming? That's from my undercarriage. I do not know <laughs> a movie that And is. that wasn't just us last night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Bridesmaids. Oh, wow. That happened on a plane? Yeah, don't you remember when she oh, blocked yes. her real-life husband? Yeah, no, when she, she was... She thought yeah. he was FBI or Secret Service. No, and... he's, he was a uh, air marshal. Yeah, but she, she knew it, to... and then she just yeah, she blocked right. him. He had to go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. That movie is hilarious. 
There's so many good plane scenes on that movie. <laughs> Carl, Carl, you have to remember to call my father when we land. I just want to talk to him before he sees me on television or something like that. Uh, that is Wolf of Wall Street? No, but good. <laughs> it is Leonardo. Right. But it is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yes. You're so right. Enough is enough. I've had it with these mother effing snakes on this mother effing plane. <laughs> that has to be snakes <laughs> on planes. I know. I said this one to your son and he was like, wait, what? There's snakes on a plane? I don't, is this a movie? And I was like, yeah, you should watch it. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm, okay, I'm going to watch it. And saving the best for last. Sorry, Goose, but it's time to buzz the tower. Oh, I love that movie. Top Gun. Yes, it is. I feel the need, the need for speed. I've been dreaming of going on a plane myself recently. And now I have to say, I will never look out the window and see the clouds and think the same of them again. <laughs> Love that. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. Please continue to listen and subscribe. You could always find us on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. You could find us on Instagram at Techie and the Blonde or ask us any questions or suggest topics we should discuss at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. And our new and exciting website has launched, techieandtheblonde.com. You can find tons of content and pictures, everything discussed on the episodes. Thanks again. Whoa, oh, oh, oh. Whoa, oh, oh. Whoa, oh, oh.